Hello. Uh, before you listen to this, you should know that we use naughty words and talk about bottoms and things, so if you do not like explicit content, now is the time to stop listening. Otherwise, hold on for the good stuff. Hello, and welcome to That Was The Week That Was A While Ago, the podcast where we try to understand yesteryear's internet nonsense today. I'm Oscar. And I'm Alex. It's been a little while since we've published something, hasn't it, Alex? I feel like there were mitigating circumstances, and I have a note from my doctor. Yeah, it's true. Um, you got a specially written note to say uh, Alex is excused from all podcast duties due to being married. Congratulations. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so, I mean, married over the course of two weekends as well, so really disruptive to any sort of legitimate podcast recording schedule. And over one of those weekends, I got uh, engaged as well. So, whoop, uh, that doesn't actually excuse me from anything, but it is considered a mitigating circumstance, and so I get an extension on all I mean, podcast things. I mean, yeah. I did see the amount of effort you were putting into photographing your own engagement, so I, I assumed it was like a whole day set up, and there was lighting, and uh, two all or in, three takes. All in, oh, so many, so many takes. <laughs> all, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, just to explain that, I, I published a photo of my engagement, but um, it's all fake. Not the relationship, the relationship is real, but the photos are not like, I'm down on bended knee proffering my intended ring, but it's not. That's not how it happened. I mean, it is also worth pointing out that you're down on one knee holding a ring in possibly the most expertly framed photo that a robot has ever taken. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, what actually happened is I took her to Weatherspoons and I said, all right, darling, should we get engaged? Um, <laughs> to be and, fair, yeah. as many people noted at, the, at my wedding that my exact words for the proposal were, um, shall we lock this down? <laughs> Yeah, no, I did a bit. I did a bit better than that. I think I'll I'll put I'll, I'll permit I, myself to say. I'm glad you've learned from my mistakes. Uh, Alex, would you like to take a glance at the morning papers? Um, are these the morning papers that have arrived freshly from our uh, time capsule that we keep merely to prevent Brexit from ever truly happening? Yeah, they are. It, unfortunately, it's only big enough for one of us. So and, and um, a newspaper and a newspaper. So one of us is going to have to stay in the present. Um, but for those seeking to escape the present, would you like to know what was happening in 1996? Those heady days when we had a Conservative Prime Minister. Yeah, I mean, God, imagine what it'd be like to have a functioning government and an opposition that was capable of winning. Imagine. I know, imagine. Right? It seems like almost a dream from another planet. Feels a bit Peter Pan, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, especially these days. Yeah. Um, well, if you think that was weird, then get ready to have your socks blown right the fuck off. Because a chap in the Daily Mail, we're always doing the Daily Mail, but it's because it's got a really good web archive. So uh, suck it up. Or just basically, it has a web archive. Yeah, it has a web archive. It's um, Daily Mail and BuzzFeed have really good have web archives that are quite easy to find. So that's why I used. There was a really weirdly fawning piece written about John Major. Mr. Major, or may I now call him John, since he would obviously love to join my fellow gypsies in sporting press boxes, <laughs> which is such a strange phrase. I mean, even for the Daily Mail, that yeah. is an odd phrase. Yeah. And again, it's sort of, it, it's sort of, he, he sort of, pull, okay, he goes through a few paragraphs of sports and, and whatnot. Um, and then he, uh, he does this weird fawning bit about um, how he admires him managing the beef crisis. Remember that? The days when oh. our only beef with the EU was literally beef. 
Yeah, beef on the bone rather than being boned by our beef. Um, and, and Serbia, which was somewhat more um, troubling. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to take the piss out of the whole Serbian crisis. That was that was an issue. Yeah, but then he sort of um, pulls it back. He goes, he, he criticises him for saying something a bit unimaginative about the sport. But I mean, criticising John Major for being unimaginative, yeah, I feel like it's sort of criticising water for being wet or Europe for being bureaucratic. Yeah. You know, it's it's just going to happen. It's it's a fact of what of what the institution is. John Major, I don't know, it's worth going on YouTube and looking at the um, video that John Major released about himself in 1992 as an election broadcast, which is him in the back of a taxi being driven around Brixton going, oh yes, I went to school there. Oh, it hasn't changed. Driver, pull over. It's really kind of, I mean, the man brings an absolute vacuum of charisma to any situation, including going around pre-gentrification Brixton. He's like, oh yeah, it was... I lived here. You know, like, like that the only thing he can say about London is that he lived there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was back in those heady days when London wasn't completely fucked. So, yeah. uh, you could perhaps... 20 years before uh, Fromage and Champagne, or mm-hmm. Champagne and Fromage or whatever it is, that horrible restaurant in Brixton opened its doors to people who really, really should look at themselves a long way in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should leave this vacuum of charisma behind. I was... I. I was just going to say it was a it was a lovely point. It was I mean one of the few things that the last few weeks has reminded me of is you know when Michael Heseltine and Ken Clark and John Major all pop out the woodwork, you realise that whilst they may have been charisma vacuums, they were kind of capable administrators, uh. and it really throws into sharp relief the rest of the world that we are dealing with right now. Yeah, just just wanted to say that because. I don't think I'm going to really be able to get the venom out of the wound quite quickly enough for this podcast. Yeah, no, there is no amount of sucking that could get the poisonous venom of Brexit out of uh, your thigh. I I feel like it's beyond just my thigh now. I feel like it is everywhere. Yeah. Are you... Uh, yes. Uh, so, uh, so, hey, do you let's fancy... Look the, let's look at the morning papers. Let's, let's look at the morning papers. Do you fancy jumping in time forward or backwards, depending on your perspective, 10 years to the heady days of 2006. Oh, 2006. God, I had hair in 2006. I had hopes in 2006. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh. Dash, Mr. Dash, uh, rap guru Damon Dash, as the Evening Standard would put it, says that there is more to life than making music, which is making money. Um... This is uh, uh, back from those heady days when people had money. Um, he, he he wasn't making enough money off um, the music business to be afford a cook or a driver. Um, he had to go into his own personalised vodka range and buy up a Swiss watchmaker to, to make the real money. Quote, Speaking of his taste for the finer things in life, he added, Not many people understand how important having a butler is. I need somebody to help me get everything I'm going to wear for the day all set up. You know what I'm saying? You'd think it's easy, but I've got a lot to put together accessory-wise, especially at night. Cufflinks are a motherfucker. And I think that just sums it up, doesn't it? I mean, I I agree with them. Cufflinks are a motherfucker. Like, the number of times you get to a point in getting dressed with your suit and you're like, oh, God, yeah, this shirt needs cufflinks. I don't really remember if I've got any. Yeah. Um, Let alone if they're going to match. And I've just ironed this shirt and I don't really want to iron another one, especially because I'm not really sure if it's clean. Exactly. Or, like, it's... My problem is that always the, the ones with cufflinks are always quite nice shirts and the ones without sometimes 
are a bit thin and they're the ones that my mum buys in bulk from Marks and Spencers even though I you know even though I'm 29 and still keep going I don't need I don't need shirts I don't need I don't need school shirts I, I have a job where I go to work in a hoodie it's I don't need shirts <laughs> um do you think he's wearing cufflinks on his pajamas you know that could be his problem because uh. I mean, he might have gone or or maybe he has um maybe he has like a sort of uh silk a uh, set of sort of lounging, a set of sort of lounging suit for sort of the immediate pre-bed period, yeah. and maybe in order to get the kind of, maybe the cuffs need a weight on them in the form of a cufflink in order to give the exact right effect. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm just conjecturing here, but I mean, I didn't realise that Swiss watch, watchmakers were the thing that one needed to buy in order to generate a steady, steady stream of income. I think it's a racket, isn't it? Is it? I mean, yeah. I, I, I buy Casio, maybe. Like, yeah, you know, solid. I'm not sure. I mean, I know they're not. They're Everyone's not Swiss. Got a phone. But, you well, don't need a yeah, watch. but like, but you know how like everyone suddenly got really bit into. Well, two things. Firstly, you know the F nine one W, the the Argos standard six pound digital watch. Mm. Um, you know, had that resurgence through the uh, through the two thousands as the timing device in many improvised explosives. Right. Um, but also, you know, all the hipsters with the on gold um, gold wristbands. You know, it, it, it was a it was a heady. You know, it might not be. Th- it might not be thousands of pounds per um, per watch, but it's certainly thousands of watches. I think, you know? you, yeah, I think you probably need to be buying vintage watches and selling them on to um, vintage Casio watches and selling them on to um, terrorists and idiots. Yeah, I mean that might be the problem here is that I'm going for uh, yeah I haven't quite got the aesthetics of this right. Right. Okay. Because I think that will be how you'll make your fortune. You'll flog them on eBay or or at Christie's. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Um, and that's going to be how you're going to afford your silk pajamas and nighttime cufflinks. I would love to go to a Christie's auction, which was entirely based around Casio watches. <laughs> hey, you know, well, and one now day we have soon. Uh, one day soon. Water when... resistant up to two hundred meters. The F nine three W is a uh, is an, uh, a gorgeous addition to any home. Yeah. Uh, well, one day soon, when all the money has left the country and Christie's are reduced to auctioning onions and bits of fluff. <laughs> I, I like to feel that I, I like the idea of Britishness there. That you know the apocalypse will have come and we'll be fighting for scraps of food in the street, yeah. but there will still be an auction house. Yeah. It will auction the finer post-apocalyptic tat. Yes, a shovel <laughs> engraved, <laughs> an engraved shovel. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, yeah, I just hope that I learn about it on CNN rather than by being there. Feel common house Deutschland. Yeah, feel and dank, mate. Um, <laughs> um, speaking of epic clashes of civilizations, would you like to exit our time capsule and, and uh, learn something? I, I live to learn. Well, let me tell you, it is easy peasy to learn. You see, one year ago, President Obama was clashing with the New York Times over whether or not peas should be in guacamole. What are your feelings about this, Alex? Well, I mean, it's worth pointing out here that British guacamole is often mashed potato that's been coloured green. Yes. So, I mean, I feel like nationally I have no leg to stand on in this debate, but, I mean, guacamole is avocado. If you are bulking it out with something else, you are doing it incredibly wrong. I I don't think it was a case of bulking it. I think it was more a case of adding an additional ingredient to enhance the flavour. But I mean, this this goes back to the Peter Mandelson story of like in '94 that he'd gone to a a fish and chip shop up north Mm. and um, seen a pot of mushy peas on the counter and ordered them as guacamole. 
Like, mm. it, it, I feel like it's a sort of constant um, class signifier as to whether you see something green in a pot and then assume that it's peas or avocado. Yeah. I mean, whilst I respect that the New York Times is trying to bring the British class war to a, a satisfying end by mixing together mushy peas and avocados in its guacamole, I'm not sure if they're... I just don't know if they're going to... I don't, I don't know if that works. I don't know if I appreciate that flavour. You know, because the nice thing about avocado is it's fatty and sort of yeah. slightly slimy and goes well with oil and coriander. And with peas, I mean, yeah, I like peas. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I think it's a bit like the American dream there, isn't it? A pluribus unum, but it doesn't really work. <laughs> Are you saying that basically guacamole with peas is like like the dollar? Wonderful if you're living in New York, but if you're in a post-industrialized area of Michigan, then it's you know it's irrelevant to the situation at hand. That is exactly what I'm saying, and I think President Obama would agree with me. I, I feel like you know he has he has a he's underestimate he's been underestimated in terms of the level of allegory in his um, pronouncements, and maybe this is the thing his entire. Um, Disagreement with the New York Times is based entirely on on, on a lack of trust, a, a lack of trust in their in their in their fiscal judgment. Uh, you know that could well be it. What this actually is, so he's he um you might think he'd, he'd taken to um the steps of the Capitol to make this uh, announcement. It's not the case. He did it over Twitter. He laid the smack down. Um, correct, corrected uh, the New York Times as to the proper ingredients of guacamole, crucially leaving out lime. Um, but hey, we're not, none of us perfect. Smacks to me of procrastination. I mean, he's he's had a couple of years where you know, with Congress being the way it is, you do sort of feel like he um, he might have bought like a, a 3ds or something and just be sitting there playing. Oh <laughs> yeah, like I looking will... up every time. Has something happened on Twitter? No. Okay. Well, I'll go back to finding the Triforce then. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got some stuff to do, but it'll probably only take me like an hour tops. So. I'm just going to check Twitter and um, shoot some arrows at some pots or something in Zelda. Well, I, I just like this idea, you know, if he was organizing everything in a sort of Kanban board thing, you know, that he'd have started off his, his administration with like 200 items in to do. And then yeah. by a week later, everything is in blocked. Yeah. And he's like, well, <laughs> well, I mean, this is a one man sprint. And yeah. And if you buy and a 3DS, all of my dependencies it, it, are on the assholes in Congress. And if you, um, yeah, and if you buy a 3DS, you can't have it freedom of information, probably, can you? That is true. So smart move, Obama. Well done. Yeah, he's a smart cookie, and it's all about guacamole. The guacamole is our routine. You know, follow the guacamole. Follow the guacamole. That's what they say in detective stories, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, maybe again as another. Um, uh, another deep metaphor. Uh, weird. Because it, it, it's green. It's green. We were being very philosophical last time. I think we're being very... Um, what are we being this time? I feel like literary. I feel, yeah. I feel we're literary. I feel like we're pretty liter- literary. We are literally literary. Uh, wait, hang on a sec. Literally literary. Check it out. Look at us. <laughs> That's what um, this whole, that was the um, <laughs> that was the third rejected title for this podcast. By the way, <laughs> look, at look, look, look at us! Look at us! <laughs> We're so clever. Uh, um, uh, speaking of uh, looking at us, or rather, people not looking at anyone, mm. um, that brings us on nicely to a story that weirdly didn't actually die over the course of this year but has caused a major media conglomerate to go bankrupt. Yeah. Um, so the headline is, Only the jury will see Hulk Hogan's sex tape in court. Um, and here it rather under- underestimates the, the 
future of this uh, of this particular story? I mean, I suppose for uh, for the sake of those who don't know, um, this this trial was lost by Gorka Media after it was uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk Hogan had a sex tape. Gorka, I think, released it. And, yeah, they published it. Yeah, and then Peter Thiel, who uh, is a tech multimillionaire, bankrolled the lawsuit to get Gorka closed down, allegedly for a negative piece of press, uh, outing him in like 2006, 2007. Mm. Um, and now it's all gone a bit, yeah. It's a bit weird, hasn't it? But Peter Thiel is potentially, it's not proven, funding other lawsuits against Gorka from the person who allegedly uh, does Donald Trump's hair. Whoa, cool. Tell me more about that. I, this was a big expose they had the uh, I think last month where they they put together a lot of circumstantial evidence showing that this particular hair consultant had had I think a cut down rate office in the Trump building for several years and specialized in um interesting and innovative uh ways of maintaining follicular integrity uh they didn't go so far as to say and Donald Trump uses this guy, but they they were certainly thinking it very loudly. Okay, yeah, it was strongly implied. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so th- this piece here, I mean, I mean, it, it as a story in itself. Let's be honest; it's just saying that only the jury are going to see it. It's not going to be on a big widescreen TV for court TV to look at, or you know, all the rest of it. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of it's more about what the future holds. You know, it's it's strange when you see a story like this, and you don't really. It's such a small story. I mean, it, it's got no comments underneath. It's of no interest unless you were really following the trial. Yeah. But now, but now it's led to uh, a media company filing for bankruptcy, uh, a presidential nominee suing people about how his hair looks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And questions about freedom of the press in the face of uh, lawsuits, libel, and money, which is, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it does have wider-reaching implications. Actually, I would say. Um, does the uh, because the question at the centre of it, right, is um, is this sex tape? Which, by the way, some of the parties in the sex tape are um, Hulk Hogan, Heather Clem, who is the wife. Of Bubba the Love Sponge Clem. That's his real name. He had it changed by Deep Paul. Bubba the Love Sp- Sponge Clem. You might think that's an amusing name. I imagine he's an amusing character. It certainly begs um, a little Wikipedia um, research. Um, as far as I can tell, he is a professional asshole and has been for 30 years, appearing on various um, stripes of talk radio around the country, and even in the sex tape saying... By the way, um, this sex tape is our retirement money. Uh. Yeah, right? Uh. Um, but the question, the wider question, is it porn or is it news? Gorka says, Gorka says it's news. Uh, Hulk Hogan begs to disagree and says, I done made a porn. Now, as far as I understand, it's a, um, possibly in the American Constitution, but certainly a tenet of, uh, key tenet of American jurisprudence that you can basically tell whether or not something is pornography by looking at it, yeah? Yeah, you, you knows it when you sees it, I think, is the, uh, the idea. Exactly. And so this reinforces this precedent. It will be very, I think it will take a Supreme Court supermajority to strike down that you can just tell something is pornography by looking at it. I mean, 
I feel as though the 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 corpus of it has grown over the last couple of decades thanks to the internet. I think it's basically impossible now to say that, you know, we know what literature is, we know what art is, we certainly know what pornography is. Like, it, it, I think that we're almost at the point where, you know, maybe people who are more qualified than the Supreme Court could, you know, start to draw up a... Uh, a working definition? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, but for the meantime, I think we're just going to have to go by whether or not the judge gets a stiffy. Yeah, I mean, I think we, if we attract, if we make sure that electrodes are attached to the judge and jury throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, question for you: mm-hmm. How would this be different in the year twenty three hundred aboard the Starship Enterprise? <laughs> <laughs> that was seamless. <laughs> I even got the year wrong. In the twenty third century. How would it be different? (laughs) Okay, I think there's a couple of points here. Because Mm -hmm. at this point, I mean, we will never know, Oscar. Yeah. Because, you know, were we transplanted from where we sit today, or at least where you sit today, into the the 23rd century? Yeah. Britain will not be a member of the United Federation of Planets. Uh, It will uh, have voluntarily seceded to be an island on its own to trade with itself. And it will be seeking, of course, the free movement of Vulcans. Um, I thought but we were only the three moves. No, wait, we're not. We didn't. Did we decide a few episodes ago what we were? Oh God, yeah, we're I, the Ferengi. I, I feel like we're even worse than that. Yeah, I know. I feel like we're some sort of truculent planet that isn't like really. They're not enough of a military threat to the rest of the sort of Star Trek universe to feature. We're, we're, just... we're the people that the Ferengi look down on for being too money grubbing. Yeah, but also really weak. Like yeah. <laughs> all of their sh- starships are just massive flags. Like, <laughs> made they... out of papier mache. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but yeah. So we we will we will of course heard about this, but. Um, We'll have our own internet where um, uh, pornography is heavily regulated by uh, uh, the government, etc., etc., and it will be a very different... I don't know. I'm just saying, basically, we're not going to be in Star Trek. All I'm saying is that the European Union was our stepping stone to the United Federation of Planets. At this point, I mean... We're not going to be in the European Space Agency. So if the Vulcans fly past tomorrow, mm. we're not going to be up there saying, hello, have you considered our great range of literature and interesting 1970s punk bands? Yeah. We're going to be waving from Earth going, look, we've got parliamentary sovereignty. No one else does. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And we'll, try know, and, uh, we'll try and like pump up an empty soda bottle, an empty um, fizzy drink bottle full of enough water and air pressure that it gets into atmosphere. Um, <laughs> To try and say hi. Although, of course, there'll be a massive debate over what the uh, soda bottle should say on the outside. And I'm afraid to say it will just be a massive middle finger. (laughs) Fuck off. Don't take our jobs. It will be fuck off. We're full written on the side. That will be the problem. (laughs) The HMS fuck off. We're full will be just in geostationary orbit over Britain, shaped like a middle finger, telling all aliens, foreign and domestic. Ah, Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> it, it seems to me like we might need to switch away from um, envisioning a Star Trek future to envisioning a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy future. Exactly, where where the the forty eight point one percent of people who voted to remain yeah. can be uh, can hitchhike away from this planet as it is destroyed by the Vogons. Not, that would be lovely. I'm not so, well. Yeah, that would be nice. I think it might actually be the case that the sole uh, survivor from the Earth is Bubba the Love Sponge Clem. Uh, Litigious, oh. toxic asshole. Who will... But he'd go. He'd fit so well with the Vogons, I'm not, though. Like... I'm not sure. I think they might 
get a few blocks away from Earth and then just, like, while no one's looking, shove them out in airlock. That's also possible. Which, in actually, in many ways, is the best possible resolution to this situation. Certainly poetically, but then, you know, if there's no humans to appreciate it from the perspective of the canon of human poetry, would it then be poetic or would it just be a coincidence? Oh, uh, we're right back with the philosophy. This is about, like, hands clapping. I'm doing it, by the way. I'm clapping with one hand. Um, <laughs> right? That's where we are, I, isn't I, it? I did hear you got the clap with one hand. <laughs> That was my dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> Just a video of you. Yeah. And I went, oh, ah, yes, I see. Well, I'm glad someone finally sorted that out. <laughs> well, we've been getting philosophy wrong all these years. <laughs> yeah. Finally, someone has a definite answer to a philosophical problem. That's all we really well want. Well done, Oscar. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So... Um, not materially much. Well, materially very different, actually, in the in the twenty third century. I think this should be our task for next week: is to uh, uh, theme our episode around which fictional sci fi future universe best describes a post Brexit Britain. I think that um, my like early contender is that at some point people are going to stop wishing they had a time machine to go back in time and kill Hitler and instead wish they had a time machine so that they could go back in time and kill Farage. Well, I mean, this is the thing. There was all that stuff on Twitter of people saying that plane crash he was in several years yeah. ago was that scenario yeah. and somebody just didn't go the whole way. I mean, I'm uncomfortable with calling for death threats on people. No, but on that's the other true. Hand, I am very comfortable with going back, like having an infinitely repeating 1990s and 2000s would, I mean, aside from the lack of internet and thus my job would be mm. rubbish, but everything else. I'm, I'm yeah, but you'd be young enough it. not to need a job. Oh, that's true. God, those heady days. That's the, that's the theme of this episode. Those, those heady, heady days. days when things worked. Uh, Shall we move on to dishing out some relationship advice? I cannot think of anyone more qualified. As part of our section... That was the week that was a while ago. Ah, dark. Um, problem. Mm -hmm. From uh, Dear Abby online advice column one year ago. Girlfriend expects fireworks when her parents meet his. Okay, now I I feel like I am uniquely qualified to answer this question as I, I recently had to introduce parents to each other. Well, first of all, and, what is the problem? Well, I mean... Essentially, girlfriend, let's call her, let's just call her girlfriend because apparently she doesn't want to say her name mm. in the headline, um, is an arms dealer mm. and uh, is expecting a dowry containing gunpowder yes. so that she can continue her um, sort of backroom weapons manufacture mm -hmm. to in order to uh, win control of certain areas of the city in which she lives. And... I think she's going to be disappointed when, you know, her boyfriend's parents, who will, of course, be terrified of her gangland connections. Yes. Um, when, if they don't, if they bring like a, if they bring a Roman candle or, you know, a Catherine wheel, that's not good enough. Mm. You know, she needs, she needs the good stuff. She needs kegs of cordite. Yeah, I mean, cunningly disguised as rockets, but basically, yeah, just as much cordite as possible. So this is a matriarchal society, right? Because she's getting the dowry. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, dowries do across societies go in different ways. I mean, it's uh, uh, the, the, it is possible for them to be. I think there's a special word for it if it's this way around. But you know, it, it's not entirely unheard of so actually it's quite a progressive situation we're talking about oh yeah i mean you know this is this is the future of arms dealing is a is a gender neutral uh, society where you live in fear of whoever has the gunpowder it doesn't have to be a gendered thing 
<laughs> no, it seems reasonable. Um, so understanding that we're dealing with this kind of uh, progressive situation and knowing that we should tread very carefully, what should the parents, because it's the parents who are going to get shot if they don't deliver the goods, what should mm. they do? Um, I mean, I think in the tradition of uh, of all good ransom films, yeah. they should fill it with sherbet. Uh-huh. Um, not custard powder, as we've established previously, that that doesn't really burn particularly well. Yeah. But anything with some burning properties, they should also deliver one or two that are filled. I mean, I assume cordite is expensive. I've never really tried Probably. to buy it. As, you know, not really a Silk Road type of person. Say, I'm just going to go on eBay, because I reckon you can get some pretty cheap. <clears throat> cordite. Um, it doesn't look like there's any on on eBay. Yeah, but you know, now now you'll get a knock at the door anyway. That's true. That's true. But from some people who are going to sell me some cordite. Well, I mean, obviously they 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 have their keyword tracking set up, or at least it might be the people nearby to you who are worried about a new uh, potential rival player on the scene who are going to come and kneecap you before you become a threat. So okay, well, it's been enjoyable. Exactly. I mean, I feel like for a first and last, uh, you know, our first post-independence podcast and for you, your last as a living person. Yeah, but I will. Don't worry, listeners, I will be back from beyond the grave. I just, I mean, it's hard enough to set up Skype sometimes with you when you're alive. I'm I'm really concerned about, you know, having to use a Ouija board as a as an intermediary layer. Uh, I mean, does it, uh, do Ouija boards even have an API? They have an excellent um, Ethernet connection in Hades, uh, so I'll be mm. fine. Good. <laughs> what did we learn this week? Uh, um, we learned not to Google Cordite. We learned to make sure that your local warlord is placated with sufficient tribute. We learned how to make guacamole. Mm-hmm. We learned that you, there are some things where you can tell what they are just by looking at them <laughs> and not even really thinking particularly hard about what they are, but just going, yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, that's true. That that's is the true. basis on which politics works so um we learned that cufflinks are a motherfucker that is true and you definitely definitely need a butler in order to organize them yep yeah you you probably do um we learned that we missed john major in a strange strange boring way yeah Uh, um, and we learned that there might not be a next episode you know (laughs) yes um, Death. death um well, I think that's pretty much everything then, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, so thanks, everybody, for listening. It's uh, wonderful to have you back. It is. It's wonderful to be back. If you uh, haven't already subscribed, please click that subscribe button. It um, it brings joy to our benighted little hearts. And if you also fancy, whilst you're doing that at the same time, just write us a little review. Um, it helps other people to find the show. It brings even more joy to our benighted little hearts. And if, if you share it on whatever your social network is of choice, um, remember that trade tariffs have not yet gone up, so you will not be charged extra for sharing. Yeah, podcasts are currently a very good deal. Although if you try and get, you know, convert some podcasts to some foreign podcasts, it might be a bit more tricky. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, currently uh, three classic bugles to uh, This American Life, um, although that is uh, set to tumble further. Yeah, um, but just stick with us, we're fine. We'll go alone. Um, you can contact us on, on Twitter, can't you? You certainly can. I'm at Blangry. And I am at Mr. Underscore Oscar. And we also have an email address, which is T3W4A2podcast at gmail.com. So send us your, uh, send us your thoughts. Send us your inane ramblings. Have we, have we had any inane ramblings yet? We occasionally get someone on SoundCloud who has liked one of our podcasts. I feel like... 
Okay, don't forget, if you get to be the first person who isn't a machine to email us, yeah. we'll be super excited and promise at least some attention to you. A half-eaten autographed whisper. That was what we promised. For that which you have true. to pay the postage. Yes. So there will be no stamps. There will be no stamps. Um, and who knows, in the years to come, you might be able to auction that at post-apocalyptic Christie's. Exactly. Right. See you later, then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. That was the week that was a while ago.